We are free and fairly sober with an episode for you. It's a Futurama podcast and a TNG one too. Oh, we are web comedians with plenty of loose horseshit to get through. Formal conventions we issue. Haroo! I lost it at the end, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. In case Discord beautiful. cuts it off, Dave's clapping. Yeah, I. It, so it looks like my audacity recorded some of the clapping. Good. Which is, this is a terrible dismount from that wonderful fucking song. Good job. <laughs> we just never do stuff like that. And I love particularly the melody of the song in this episode. I think it's catchy as hell. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, all right. I, I, I want to say, I'll say this here. Mm-hmm. Is that usually like musical episodes are terrible. Futurama is one of the better ones, right? Yeah. Although I, I do remember watching it as a young man as it came out. And I guess the one I remember in particular is uh, the like, uh, remember the one where Santa, they're all in the alley way and professors like, oh, this stinks. Santa got a thing and now we're out in the clink. I think it's from the Lars. I think it's from the movie. Hmm. Um, Anyway, I remember as a young man thinking, I hate this filler. I hate parody songs just to write more lines. Um, And yet weirdly now, maybe it's just nostalgia or repeated uh, you know, exposure to it, but I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like all the Xmas songs. Also, they keep it to the Xmas episodes, which is nice. Right? Yeah. Generally speaking, like if a show has special musical ones, I, I'm like, eh, you don't have to. But ever, I also think The Simpsons did okay. Like the Mary Poppins one. Oh, that's a great. Uh, oh well, songs in the key of Springfield, like. Simpsons There's is a better lot of at those, it. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we you do. know who's fucking great at it is, mm. of course, Bob's Burgers because that's their whole thing, right? Is they have one song an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then I was wondering, I I actually haven't watched it because I think ultimately Joss Whedon fell from grace before I got around to it. But isn't there a musical episode of Buffy everyone's obsessed with? I have never seen Buffy. You've also never seen it. Great. Yeah. It's one of those where Buffy is one where it it feels like it's like, it's frankly like Star Trek for a slightly older generation, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's a comfort watch. And I, it, I always had missed it. And I always said to myself, well, I'll go back and watch it. And then that stuff happened. And I was like, okay, I like, guess I won't. Yeah. Also, as I've, as I ingested it enough, there came a point where kind of like Tarantino, where I'm like, I'm full of the way Joss Whedon, Whedon writes. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. that's enough of that, that particular that's, quippiness. <laughs> that's a good way to phrase Tarantino too, which is like, yeah. It's Tarantino's like pancakes where I'm like, totally not bad, but you're like, that's enough. (laughs) Right. And then after a while, like, you know, I think it's good that he's just doing 10 films, you know, Uh, or at least 10 films until he stops caring. I'm not sure how that will work. Uh, Uh, Have you ever heard the Mitch Hedberg joke about that, about pancakes? No. Oh, so good. It's, uh, see, this is how you build a stand up. It's after he gets a big laugh, right? And he's like, that's yep. how you build a stand-up set, man. Best joke at the top, best joke at the bottom. It can't be like a stack of pancakes where at the beginning you're like, oh boy. And at the end you're like, I'm fucking sick of pancakes. <laughs> which is, that is the way they are. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> speaking of which, I had keto pancakes. Or oh, keto God, pancakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this morning I made some. Mm-hmm. And if, if a bag says keto on it, what it means is this, this thing you know, but less good. And that's what it was. 
It was just less good pancakes. Mm. Uh, it's, it was a real is it shame. He- healthier? I don't even fully understand what the goal of keto is. Low carb. Low I carb. I actually don't know what the goal is of that diet. I just know that as someone who has to watch my sugar and carb intake, that is something I search for to find foods that can accommodate me. I don't know if that's it for the diet, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I it feels like a fad diet, you know, Yeah. but it's all low carb stuff. And for the most part, if anything says low carb, like you just, there's certain foods that you just need carbs for. Like it's, you know, it sucks. Uh, but it's as simple as that. Like I got, I got low sugar maple syrup and it was just like watery, disgusting yeah. syrup. Or it's like, don't. Yeah. You just can't eat that. Or food. make your you own kind of find food. New food. Or if you're the kind of person where you've got your diet is like, oh, I can't eat that. I mean, in some cases it's changing. I'm gluten free and there are actually decent gluten free baked goods if you know a dope mm-hmm. gluten free bakery. But blah blah blah. But there's some stuff where you're like, uh croissant, uh like that flaky texture yeah. can't really be replicated without gluten. Okay. Well right. don't try to make a fake one. Just skip that then. Don't do croissant. Yeah, or just like when I want it, I'll just take <laughs> yeah. the carbs. That right. said, it should be noted that I would have said that about vegan things 15 years ago, and I have been proven wrong. So, like, the future is always bright. And well, what gets, I mean is, yeah, like, the stuff does if you go better. to, yeah, you go to, like, Doomies in L.A. and Hollywood, they have a vegan creme brulee. And it's like, I don't even know how that's made. And it tastes gorgeous. So, like, yeah, it exists. Uh, we just haven't, you know. Oh, yeah. This we don't is, have the technology yet. I bet some, this is going to sound so gross to people because it's almost like food science where you're like, that doesn't make sense. Right. But Jen makes, like, a chocolate mousse with mm. silken tofu, avocado, and cocoa powder. And it tastes exactly like chicken mousse. Yeah. Like, you can't tell that it's a horrible there's a, um, concoction. <laughs> a, where I'm from in Northampton, Mass., there's a restaurant called Paul and Elizabeth's that for as far as I was alive, like as far as I know, has a vegan chocolate mousse cake that is better than any chocolate cake I've ever had in my life. And there's no milk I, in it, yeah. Yeah, I would. this is what I'll say to people out there who are not vegan. Seek out vegan desserts. Because I guarantee they'll be oddly... In most of the cases at a restaurant, they will kick the ass of those desserts. Desserts especially, vegan people seem to want to like show off or they're defensive about that. That's what it is. They have something to prove. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, they're like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it better. And they do. And also you eat it and you feel like it's lighter, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Vegan, vegan dessert. I'm not even vegan, but a vegan dessert amazing and their cheese technology is getting better too like vegan nachos not my favorite but they're getting there yeah cheese is cheese is tough it's tough um is i'm wondering if this place still exists in san diego it does i don't know there's this place in san diego called extraordinary desserts uh I guess, well, it's loose horse shit, so it's fine. Anyway. Yeah, this is as loose as horse shit My dad ran it. We'll explain. Listen, if people are listening and they haven't listened before and they're like, what the fuck is happening? We'll explain in like a few minutes. But for now, enjoy the loose horse shit. Anyway, my dad used to run his own business out of a giant building and then it went out of business and he sold it. And it was like a tech company. And now it's this place called Extraordinary Desserts. That's an only dessert restaurant, which I guess just means it's a bakery. But yes, I don't know. I remember thinking called. it was like a unique thing. Like you'd go there and there's only dessert. Yeah. It's like every, they have donuts, yeah. cupcakes, cakes, slushies, Fuck. ice cream. It's like Fuck. Um, every conceivable kind of dessert. That's their goal. It's beyond a bakery, I guess, in that sense. 
Speaking of loose horseshit and places, um, I'm trying to plan a trip to San Francisco. Mm. Do you recommend anything? Yeah, ton- I recommend you come visit me and stay in my guest room and hang out. Oh, see, oh. this is I'm, I'm coming up for a wedding. Ah. And I have a feeling that the the, the uh, it's not a good time to impose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I'm 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 coming up for uh, I believe your wedding, and uh, I'm going to be there a week in advance. And so I'm oh, trying to think of like you mean we, that we're going to get a hotel. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to get a hotel, and we're looking for like a nice one with like a you know we want a nice bathroom because we also our our poorest friends already claimed our guest room, so that's out anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so yes, I do recommend right down the street from me, but even when I, before I lived here, when I would visit Jen up here, there's a bakery called Arismendi that is the best bakery I've been to. What's it called? It's a San Francisco co-op. Arizmendi, A-R-I-Z-M-E-N-D-I. It's incredible. I'm literally writing it down. There's yeah. like three locations, I think. Um, and, uh, and then Mitchell's Ice Cream is the best ice cream I've ever had. That's in the city, Mitchell's. I don't know why I'm only saying food stuff. No, uh, but (laughs) you you nailed it. You nailed exactly what I'm looking for. Do you hike? Do Uh, you hike through the woods? You okay? I do sometimes, or I used to, but not this trip. This (laughs) trip is a pampering trip. This is like um, this is like we want to take it real easy. Like Mm -hmm. we want we want like a nice tub, nice shower. We might go see like the Winchester, like do a little maybe Fisherman's Wharf. Look at those stupid. Yeah, like I've never I've all right, I've been to San Francisco for a weekend and I spent it pretty much blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. So like th- as far as I'm concerned this is the first time I've been to San Francisco. Um and I'll be there for a week. So uh, I don't know if people want to tweet at me with things to do or nice hotels. Yeah. Indian style pizza is a thing you can kind of only get here that's very good if you haven't Ooh. had it. Like chicken makhni cheese pizza is pretty delicious <laughs> right, i'm writing it down i'm writing yeah. these things down oh yeah this is the this is <sighs> it was this good loose, loose horse shit i can't tell the song the song saved it all the song saved it all it's, it's and then all we just like talked about now. like food and our own actual plans yeah and had like a casual conversation mm-hmm. this is a casual conversation sim uh, and so I guess that means we can probably get mm-hmm. into the main event and we can ramp up the music and we can say, this is Star Trek The Next Futurama. Let's start the theme. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Futurama, an epic team-up between gamefully unemployed and small beans. For access to the entire series, find us on Patreon. And now your hosts, Mike and Dave. Uh, welcome to Star Trek The Next Futurama, welcome, folks. Welcome, welcome. I'm one of your hosts, David Bell. Uh, this is my co-host, Michael Swaim. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we are... Well, first of all, thanks for listening. This is a free episode. It's over on the Gamefully Unemployed. Uh, this is normally a joint podcast between the Gamefully Unemployed and the Small Beans, which means you can find this on two Patreons. You can go to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed, which is our patreon which you'll find a bunch of exclusive podcasts and then if you go to patreon.com slash small beans you can find the other half of this this mm-hmm. is a show where myself and michael have been going through uh futurama episodes uh chronologically uh as to when they came out or at least when 
Amazon or Hulu says they came out. Yeah, whatever. Wikipedia, the the official Futurama wiki, Hulu, and other like they all kind of disagree slightly, but which is weird. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we are pairing them up with Star Trek episodes, uh, and and kind of comparing and contrasting, talking about them. Uh, You know, uh, we we did a free episode last time too, right? We did two a month, Um, so yeah, fortnight ago. Yeah, where we did a where we did um, Times Arrow and uh, Roswell, Roswell that ends well, real meaty episodes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to tell you, we probably have some meatiness in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a good free episode. And I will start as the host. We switch off hosting, and I am the host this time uh, by telling you what Futurama episode. Love it. We will be exploring, and that is episode. I'm sorry, that is season four, episode two. Otherwise known as a tale of two Santas, I'll tell you what that's about, and then and then Michael will take over and uh, explain the Star Trek. I'm going to be quick because I have a feeling sure. you're going to need to explain I'm need a lot. Some time, yeah, that's true. Yeah, go for it. It's Xmas, uh, and they are locking down for Robot Santa. Uh, the professor makes them uh, deliver children's letters to Santa's fortress on Neptune. Uh, they read some of the letters and decide that they need to stop Santa. Because if you don't know, San- Xmas th- in this universe, Santa terrorizes everybody uh, instead of, uh, you know, bringing gifts. And so they decide we need to take Christmas back. They show up at Neptune. They go to Jolly Junction where all the elves are there and they are living in poverty. Uh, they're, they're hungry. They're tired. And they are also fed up with Santa. So they help them confront Santa Leela tries to use a logical paradox, but um, he, he doesn't work on Santa. And he goes after them with a missile launcher. They escape, but Santa grabs onto the ship and prevents them from taking off. Uh, but the heat from the engine melts the ice. Santa gets, gets refreezes into the ice and gets trapped. And so now Santa is trapped, which means Bender is going to take over as Santa. Because of course he is. Uh, but he's going to do it the right way. The problem is everybody's expecting evil Santa. So Bender is repeatedly attacked as Santa uh, gets exhausted, dumps all the toys, goes to get drunk in an alleyway and is arrested as Santa for crimes against humanity. He is quickly found guilty, sentenced to execution uh, with a giant electromagnet magnet that dismembers him. Uh, meanwhile, Fry and Leela decide we have to save um bender we have to get the real santa to prove uh bender's innocence they go there they carve santa out of the ice the ice melts uh because of the pollution on neptune santa uh escapes they once again escape but santa rides their ship back to earth without them knowing they pull a gambit where they all dress like santa and go i'm santa except for zoidberg who pretends to be jesus uh, that doesn't work. Uh, Bender is almost executed when Robot Santa uh, bursts through, um, frees Bender, and basically takes back Christmas uh, and uh, asks, asks Bender to join him on terrorizing people because he has to do it double fast. It's your classic Santa movie where Santa is incapacitated and needs help. Uh, and so they terrorize the world while everybody huddles together in fear of Santa uh, and then at the end, Santa basically says, if you ever do this again, I'll kill you and shoves Bender off of his sleigh. And Very that's the well episode. Told. Yeah. 
it's occurring to me how much media it's almost like a shadow subgenre is what if Santa was evil? What if Santa killed everyone? What if Santa kicked ass? What if Santa was crude? Right. So Which many things. Is, Even that Weird Al song I loved so much as a kid. Right. <laughs> and when you think about it, it's like as basic as an observation could get. Yeah. Um, it's also really funny to me. Uh, I wrote about this a little bit with some more news about how like Hollywood is seen as woke. And we have an en- entire genre of film and TV devoted around Christmas and yeah. Santa. Yeah. And it's like, come on, like that is ridiculous. It's weird. Uh, we how don't long even think like, about it. And then Pinoc- like, this yeah. Christian religion. Yeah. This couple Pinocchio is way over dipped in. But anyway, all right. Yeah. That's not what it's about yet. Um, what it's about is me ripping the I was gonna say curtain, but I'm gonna say Dildo. scalps and then tops of your skulls off to reveal nice. your brains directly to my throbbing synopsis of a meaty two parter TNG. Giving you a second, giving you a second. Ooh. Can you guess? Time's up. We are talking season three's finale, episode 26, and the season four premiere, Best of Both Worlds. Oh, fuck! Which it's is huge. <laughs> one I bet people have been waiting for since the pilot. Uh, if people recall Encounter at Farpoint, which I think we've paired already at this point in the pod, uh, the very first offer TNG makes is that there's this mysterious enemy, new enemy called the Borg, who are way out there in deep space, but they're headed this way, and who knows when they'll get here. Guess what, motherfuckers? Now! So so, um, the Starfleet gets a distress signal from a colony that had 900 inhabitants. Enterprise shows up, sends an away team down. They find nothing but a sick-ass matte painting of a crater. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, that uh, That used to be a town, and it's gone. <laughs> Starfleet suspects the Borg, which they only know about from that one encounter. And it's like uh, the Borg are well-trod territory at this point that I'm speaking. But this was like, we're going to find out about them for the first time uh, in detail. Uh, Starfleet has put a commander by the name of Shelby in charge, and she's clashing with Riker because Riker has yet again, this has happened before, been offered uh, a captaincy, like to be promoted to captain uh, and lead his own ship, but he won't do it because the Enterprise is the best ship. It's the flagship. Uh, I guess is his logic. Actually, one of my issues is I never fully understand Riker's reasoning, but uh, you know, something about loyalty or like he feels like he's home here or whatever, but he refuses to leave the Enterprise. Uh, and mm. this rankles Shelby, who's a real go getter and explicitly tells him like, well, that sucks. I thought when you became captain, I wanted your job. Like I was gunning for first officer of Enterprise. And you know what? I'm going to try and take it anyway. <laughs> like she basically says, um, there's also an old admiral involved. I think his name is JP. He, he promotes Shelby. Uh, and blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, there's a there's a poker game where we sort of develop this dynamic. I actually thought it was a really good idea to do it through a poker game because we see that Riker bluffs and Wesley goes for it, and we're like, yeah, Riker, good old yeah. Riker. He charms people and bluffs. Shelby calls his bluff and wins, and you're like, I see what the writer did there. Oh no, Riker's in okay. trouble. Yeah, um, Shelby keeps like not doing what he tells her and doing stuff without telling him. So. The next morning, they were all supposed to go down to investigate the crater. She went before he woke up. So, like, she and Data are already down there. He gets down there. He's like, uh, why'd you leave early? And she's like, we're done here. Uh, And she proves it was the Borg. 
Uh, Picard asks Riker for his impressions of Shelby personally. He says what I just said. She's good, but she takes too much initiative. It's pissing me off. Picard says, ah, that reminds me of a young man I once knew. A William Riker. And he's like, all right, all right. Um, (laughs) He goes to Troy and he intend forward and confides in her and talks about how he's not even sure. Or he's like, maybe I'm afraid of being captain. Like, maybe I don't have the confidence. And she goes, I don't know. You seem more seasoned now, like, than you were in season one. Um, And it comes down to a simple question. What do you want? And that's his arc, right? He's going to decide. Spoiler alert. He decides to stay on the show and keep everything as it is. But he's thinking about it, I guess, over the course of this episode. Um, Jordy and Shelby work together to soup up the ship's shields and phasers and prep for battle because they expect the Borg to be here any second. Boom, they appear. Uh, So they encounter their first Borg cube. I, I actually, I got shivers. They're <laughs> like, I just think it's, it's a cool well, moment when he goes. Technically, it's not their first. No, no, no. But their first engagement, he says, tell Starfleet, yes. we have engaged the Borg. And you're like, oh. Yes. Um, Fuck. The, the Borg, Borg are terrifying. They are because they're not. It's interesting in Voyager, they make them human by virtue. They give them a queen and they do the alien thing where yeah. there's a Borg queen and it's an actor. And I actually think that, I don't know, I kind of like this it's version Alice, better. It's Alice Krieg, to be exa- uh, uh, yeah, exact. Yeah. Oh, who's who great. Who's a great actress. But yeah. but yeah, I like this version too. It's way because more mysterious. This time when they hail them, which is funny because I wonder which Borg in the cube decided where the camera would be. But when they hail the Borg cube, it's just a big general shot of the cube, <laughs> like the inside of the cube. And the Borg just speak as a giant disembodied chorus and this is where we get all the classic man this is the first time they say resistance is futile you will be assimilated to service the needs of the borg Mm. um and all the all the classic shit um let's see uh they quickly realize they're outgunned out man they can't win the battle they try to run but the ship isn't fast enough um the borg fucking Right. Like it's the biggest threat ever. They're way beyond us. They got here faster than we thought they would, which means they have better warp technology than us. They have better shields. They have better lasers. We're pretty fucked. So they managed to temporarily hide by doing, I don't know, one of the things they always do, like going into a nebula and changing the polarity of whatever. Yeah. Um, so they're like, okay, we bought some time. We're in this situation. What are we going to do about the Borg? Meanwhile, a bunch of other Borg forces are hightailing it directly to Sector 001, which is where Earth is. Um, and Starfleet is sending all their forces to intercept the Borg and make their final stand at a place in space called Wolf 359, which after mm. this, of course, also, that's like the Battle of Helm's Deep for Star Trek. Wolf 359 is what kicks off the events of DS9. It's referenced heavily throughout the future of the series. Um, so it's this horrible battle where, you know, spoiler, it's not going to go well for our guys. Picard feels that, and he tours the ship. He takes a, he like walks around the Enterprise and looks at every room quietly, and Guinan catches him and is like, what are you doing? And he's like, touring the ship, it's an old naval, naval tradition. She's like, if I recall, it's a naval tradition, amazing that she knows the history of Earth's naval traditions, but um, that people do before a before a battle that they know, think they're going to lose. And he goes, well, you know, maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I go in it hoping we'll win. Um, because that's a healthy attitude. But is this a new passage of history? Could this be the end of our species? Perhaps we're turning the page. Um, you know, so you know it's going to be a two-parter. It's just got lots of epic vibes. Um, 
the Borg suddenly find them and start literally person by person, like uh, beaming drones on board. They develop this conceit where once you shoot one Borg, they immediately understand how your phaser works. And if you shoot another one, now they have a shield. So like you have to be very careful. They're easy enough to take out because they're just these slow drones like zombies. But they adapt. You can only kill one because they adapt so fast. So like you better pick your shot. It better matter that you killed that one. Um they take Picard, they all warp back, including the dead bodies, which is an interesting point because they talk later about how the Borg scrupulously won't let their technology be taken, uh, and they're already setting that up, which I like consistently. Yeah, they're real hypocrites. They want to assimilate our technology. <laughs> but they won't theirs. give it. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. can take, but they won't give. Um, let's see. Picard says... Uh, you know, we'll resist you. We value freedom. There's nothing you can do. And then he's like fully in their power and we cut away and we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? Riker wants to leave the ship in Shelby's hands and lead a rescue mission. Uh, But uh, he begrudgingly lets Shelby go instead when yet again, someone points out, you're the captain now. Like this, your first officer. Troy, Troy steps up and is like, Riker. You keep scrupulously trying to not be a captain in any capacity, but your job is to be captain right now. Uh, And he goes, fine. So he sends Shelby. They dick around on the cube for a while. They're able to, like, blow a thing up that causes the cube to become momentarily distracted. Like, they can't really do anything major, but they can draw its attention. Um, The cube deploys a bunch of drones to go repair the node, which forces them to drop out of warp, which was the goal, because they couldn't interact with the cube in any way when it was at warp. Um, They shoot a bunch of drones. They desperately narrowly escape, right? The Borg adapt their shields. They barely get away. And just as they get beamed away, they spot that girl. (laughs) They're like, the camera zooms in through a crowd and you're Mm. like, oh, that Borg is Captain Picard as a Borg. Borg! Oh, shit. Um, They get beamed back. Riker tries to do their plan, which was to do this weird thing to, you know, a feedback loop that would cause an explosion or something in the cube. And, uh, but it would risk disabling the Enterprise. It was Shelby's plan. He thought it was too risky. They argued about it. All the stuff, you you know, we're developing the tensions. Um, but it doesn't work, right? So they're still desperate. There's the open question of some people on the bridge are like, well, we lost him. And some people are like, no, 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 no. We do anything to rescue Picard. This is a Joel Ellie situation. And they're like, no, 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 no. We got to let him go. <laughs> um, eventually, JP, the Admiral, makes the call and says, consider Picard a casualty of war. He's a great man. Uh, he's gone, though. Like, we got to just fight the Borg. Um, so, yeah, so that's the plan. Riker's officially field promoted to captain of the Enterprise, and he's sad about it. So it's kind of ironic. And in a, I thought, very effective uh, shot, we just cut to Picard and they're like upgrading him. Like they're like taking his arm off and putting a new arm on so he can do something else. And he, a single tear falls out of his eye and you're like, ah, shit, he's still in there. This is not fun for him. (laughs) He's not having a great time. Um, Riker begrudgingly tells Shelby she did a good job. They agree that she'd make a good first officer for him in the interim while he's captain because Riker uh, respects her even if they are not personally getting along, which is a very Star Trek attitude, right? He's like, uh, or Lincoln did this, (laughs) you know, a cabinet of rivals. He's like, you disagree with me, but that could be helpful. You're a go-getter. I respect that. Picard said you're all right, so you can be my first officer. Also, his compelling logic is, 
everyone else should stay where they are. Like I want Worf where Worf already is. I want Jordy in engineering. These are all the people I work best with. So the only empty spot is first officer. Shelby, you do it. They kind of hint that maybe, you know, they want you to think Picard's really going to die. And I was this about will to be say, the new crew. And in this point in the series, if you're watching this first first time, you might like they killed Tasha Yar. Right. And it's yeah. like, yeah, fucking what if Patrick Stewart just wanted didn't to do, do movies the show or something? What yeah, if he got yeah. pregnant or something? Yeah. yeah. So like they, they could have gotten rid of him. So they hail the Borg ship. Now Locutus, which is uh, Picard's Borg name. Uh, I wonder how they picked the, that name. Anyway. Oh, I guess because it means, but why would they do Latin? All right, fuck me, fuck me. But I guess it's like, a, it's it's corrupted <laughs> oh, Latin for like the speaker, right? Loquacious or, yeah. Yeah, I, I had the same question written down why, as why Who Latin? names him that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, Riker tries to speak to him as if he's Picard and, you know, urge him to fight the mind control. and But he's fully Borg and he's like, they only made me so that you would have a humanoid shape to deal with. Uh, also, by absorbing me, they know everything that I know about you and Starfleet and all the classified shit, everything. They know everything Captain Picard knows. And you're like, well, now we're really fucked. And Riker does stuff where he like tries to just buy themselves a few more seconds. And he, Locutus, like, is just a wall. He's like, you know, he's like... Uh, no, I know everything you're going to do. There's literally no reason we would negotiate or parlay. So anything you say is just a delay. Goodbye. And uh, to, you know, to reference a Futurama, he basically crack slams him. Like, he just hangs up. That's it. We're done. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, they also state their point of view, which I think we'll have to dig into, which is that they believe that they're raising the quality of life for all species by maximizing efficiency, making a, a universal culture where everyone shares technology and everyone's happy. And that's their point of view. And we see them as mindless automatons. And I think this is fascinating. They see us as mindless automatons because we're not even connected to each other. We're just little like separate entities all alone. They see us as right. ants. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no progress to be made there. There's a cool shot of the board cube passing Saturn. So you're like, ah, shit, they're almost to Earth. They calculate 27 minutes till the cube is able to attack Earth uh, or reach Wolf 359 where they're going to head him off and try to fight. They are able to get Picard back. I forget how they go on and they just they snatch him. They just they snatch him. They just beam on and snatch him and beam back. Yeah. So, all right. So at this point, Data plugs into his head, tries to do, uh, you know, computer like talk. My computer parts will talk to your computer parts to unbrainwash him. Um, while he's in there doing that, they're trying to get to Wolf Three Five Nine and see what happened and like help with the fight and blah blah blah. Uh, save Earth, essentially, save the galaxy. It's one of those episodes. Uh, Data fights with him mentally. Uh, or I mean, Picard fights with Data. Picard starts to move in the thing. Uh, Data fights him and rips his arm off, like rips his Borg arm off. Um, so da Picard's like flailing and trying to get out of his restraints. At that same moment, Troy says she can psychically sense Picard's mind again. Like it wasn't there at all and now it is there. And Picard and Locutus are fighting internally. Um, so like apparently Data poking around woke him up or whatever. Um, Data finally posits that the Borg are... Uh, yes. So someone's like, why don't they just cut him loose or like let Picard go brain dead or something? Or why are they letting us have a Borg captive? And Data realizes 
they are unwilling to leave a Borg behind. Like, what's funny is they don't care at all if you kill some. Like, that means nothing to them. But they won't let you have one. And they won't disconnect it. Because that's just how they are. Like, it's a hive mind, period. And he's like, well, that's their weakness. They won't cut Picard off. So now we have a receiver connected to the Borg. After a bunch of fucking around, he basically figures out how to give them a sleep command because Picard communicates with him through great effort that they regenerate, that they have a sleep mode, they have a sleep cycle. And Data discovers that root cycle, triggers it on, it forces all the Borg to go, oh, it's time to regenerate. And they all go to their pods and shut down. And they and the Enterprise arrives at Wolf 359 thinking they might have saved the day. But they haven't. It's too late. It's a giant graveyard full of destroyed ships. It's uh, and it's like, like more destroyed ships than you think have ever seen in the series before uh and everyone's pretty fucking depressed um but the borg are very temporarily you know they're gonna withdraw or whatever but it's but it's not over yet um they're able to blow up that one cube i forget why they beam in while they're asleep and like set a bomb who cares the cube explodes picard is freed he wakes up he staggers out um they I mean, he ascended, which we'll dig into because the next episode, Family, we've already covered. But this is not true. He's horribly traumatized. But of course, being Picard, they ask how you are. And he makes a light joke like, I'll be I'll be OK. Or, you know, it was just yeah. a thing that happened. And <laughs> I, I love sure, this. This dude. won't haunt me. Yeah. And then and it's and it, and you believe it because TNG Star Trek has long been a monster of the week thing where things don't haunt them. Things that really would, you know, like they forget about it next episode, but not this time. And that's why it's a good episode. They take yeah. out most of his Borg implants. He still has the little eyepiece that Seven of Nine will have in Voyager. And uh, they come in and they're like, blah, 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 blah. We're going to do this next next week. This is happening. And he's like, great, thanks. And they leave. And he picks up Earl Grey tea hot and he starts to bring it to his mouth. And without even taking a sip, he suddenly sets it down and he goes over and he looks out his window at space and he looks fucking haunted. <laughs> yeah, because he just <laughs> murdered. He did a fucking massacre. Yeah. And then the next episode will be him going home and still fucking recovering, which I love. Yeah. There's a whole PTSD episode after this. We already covered it. Uh, yep. Again, as Dave mentioned, if you want the whole series, I only harp on this because it's a free episode like the the ultimate way you could do it i would say is uh wait till the show's complete pay pay three or five bucks to gamefully listen to all those one month pay uh, pay me five bucks the next month then you're set you know 10 bucks for the whole series but yeah we already did family i forget what we paired it with but go check that out yeah absolutely check it out very good this is uh huge 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 if true huge uh, and so I guess it's time to talk about how these two compare. People might have already figured it out mm-hmm. a little bit, but yeah. there, there's a lot of sneaky things here. Uh, this is a segment that we call Good News Number One. Good News Number One. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about how are these two, the Star Trek and the Futuramas, similar. And mm-hmm. why don't you start us off? Okay, uh, whoever starts usually takes the obvious one, which is that it's about one of our characters having to fill in for an evil robot. <laughs> yeah, well, so... Take on their role. I would go even further, is that the entire theme is about characters replacing the jobs of other characters. Shelby replacing Riker. 
uh-huh. fucking Picard joining the bur- Borg, Borg Riker, Riker taking Picard, Picard's yeah. place. It's all about filling shoes. Uh, and the, again, ba- Bender replacing Santa. Yeah. Um, in both cases, the villain is a creature that absolutely can't be bargained with. It does not, it has a fundamentally bad view of humanity and simply just wants to punish. Yeah, the uh, Borg think assimilate, I all guess. must be assimilated. Santa thinks everyone is naughty. And yeah. he's programmed that Absolute. way, just like the Borg are programmed that way. Like, you cannot change it. It's hardwired. That's what they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also thought it was funny that... So Santa obviously is not a hive mind chorus of people, but if you consider him the Borg analog, uh, he also utilizes a bunch of worthless drones that he doesn't care about and just lets yep. them die and they're they're totally expendable, which are the Neptunians who wear like breezy short shorts and hold hands and drink <laughs> beer all the time, if you remember. They're real life is hell characters, which is great they in the really original comic are. strip. Yeah. Uh, and they seem like they're having an okay time. I kind of <laughs> like I kind of like their life. I'm like I kind of want to live there. Um, it, it sh- they also kind of stand in for the colony that the they go visit. The joke is that their lives are horrible, but okay, you go off. I like their attitudes. <laughs> sure. I don't like their lives. Oh, I like okay. who, their attitudes. Yeah. Um, so in both cases, they decide to go after the enemy. They say we've had enough of this. Le- we are, are going to go engage the board. We are going to go get Santa. And in mm-hmm. both cases, they have a secret weapon to do that. And both times, the weapon doesn't work. That's right. The paradox and the ray, and both of them fall flat like immediately. They don't even, they don't even like uh, work a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you have more? I have more. I have less than I usually do because I usually pre-write them out, and this time I forgot to. Oh, well, I, um, I can do they, more. Uh, but off the t- like, I'm also just you know seeing them as I reread my notes, so I'll take one. Uh, the solution ultimately with the Borg situation is to put them to sleep, but all it does is kick the can down the road. Uh, and it happens at the yep. end of the episode. So it's slightly different, but the, uh, the beat that leads right into the climax in Futurama is that the solution is to freeze Santa, but it only kicks the can down the road. Cause he eventually melts similar. Yeah. Mechanic. I, I was thinking the nebula is a little of that too. Cause they use their environment. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, but either way, they also try to escape, but can't. They are held in place by the enemy. The away team has to infiltrate the cube. The away team has to infiltrate Santa's castle. Oh, that's a good one. Um, to save, or sorry, when the character takes the place of the robot, their life is in danger because they are considered an enemy and are going to be killed. Ah, right. Uh, the humans the Admiral, of Earth are like, fuck you, Bender. Yeah. Yeah, they're like the Admiral, basically, yeah. where they're like, we're just going to kill Picard. Uh, and in both cases, they have to try to save them. They have to rescue them, mm-hmm. even though they're being killed by technically the good guys. Yeah. And then, of course, in Best of Both Worlds, the uh, big musical number where the drones all dance and they're like, we are yep. the Borg. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, um, there's also just to save the character, they have to kidnap, uh, Santa and they kidnap Picard. Uh, they both involve giant murderous rampages, mm-hmm, uh, the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Santa and the Borg. Uh, that's all I have, I think. Okay, good. I'm glad I thought of three cause that feels like I'm pulling my weight. I'm sorry. I usually write them out. I just didn't for it's some fine. reason. Yeah. I would say this isn't the best matchup we've had, but I honestly also am like, I don't. I I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't think there's m- another matchup for this. For best and of honestly, both worlds. 
Yeah, and yeah. I'm just happy to be talking about the best of both worlds, which uh, is in our next segment. So should we jump into that? Yes, although let me just quickly say that I don't think it's a terrible pairing. I still think it fully fulfills the like the mission of the pod. But in Agreed. case in case you're just hearing this free for the first time, I will say sure in the sense that you should hear some of the some of the other ones like zip locked. Yes. <laughs> like it's amazing. That's, that's really yeah. what it is. Is I'm yeah. spoiled now because we've some, right. done some pairings that are fucking amazing that you can only find out if you subscribe to our patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is bite my shiny prime directive. Bite my shiny prime directive. This is a we're just gonna talk about the episodes and we usually. Well, we usually talk a lot about Star Trek and then do jokes and lines from Futurama. I want to start by quickly saying, what is the Neptunian economy? Because uh, they make toys, right? Well, what is and, Santa's economy? Like, this problem well, dates back to the original myth, right? I know, but what the, the so Futurama specifically, they go to Neptune and they're like, we're in poverty, we're so hungry. And they're like, why? And they're like, because Santa doesn't make toys anymore because he doesn't think anybody's good. So that is establishing the idea that they are normally when people are good and they can make toys, they are paid. But then later when they trap Santa, they literally sing that they aren't getting paid. Uh, And so I'm like, why did they want to make toys in the first place? That didn't help their economy. That's all right. And the whole point is economy. Yeah. Santa gives toys away for free. So what is he paying them with? Right. right. And like, what, why are they? Yeah. if, If I were the Neptunians, I wouldn't care because it's like, it's not like they're getting paid either way. So I don't know why they're like, we don't make toys anymore. Um, and like that would help them. I just don't, I don't understand. That's all. Yeah. Also, um, I guess it's also odd since you mentioned it, it just occurs to me. Uh, the first time we're introduced to the Xmas concept, like, Hey, this is our Simpsons Halloween every episode, every season, there'll be an Xmas thing about evil Santa. It's going to be right. John Goodman once or twice, but then it's going to be DiMaggio. Um, as soon as they establish that it, it's treated as if this has been true for quite a while, not a thousand years, but like, this is not the first Xmas, right? Like they tell Fry, like, you don't know about Xmas. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's interesting to me that uh, Santa has deemed everyone naughty for many, many years. Is And then, then in this episode, they treat it like the Neptunians are like, this just happened. Like this year, Santa's right. doing this. So you're like, I thought he did that every year. It's weird. Whatever. Uh, I also wanted to point out before we dig into the Star Trek uh, that this The Tale of Two Santas was written by Bill Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk's brother. Oh, shit. Um, and I don't I don't mention that just because of the Bob Odenkirk thing. I bet he hates that, that he, you have to mention Bob. But um, or maybe they love each other and it's fine. My only point is I noticed that in Bill Odenkirk episodes, there are way more visual gags than usual. And this was yeah. no exception. Did you notice that? He is a. I did notice that. And as a sketch writer who mostly thinks in words and writes funny lines, I really admire people who can punch out like visual gags. Like, Same. wouldn't it be funny if the thing fell over and then it was like dominoes? I'm like, ah, I never think of shit like that. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the uh, yeah. the Borgs, the, mm-hmm. the little Borgers. I want to start by just noting. Something I know we've noted before, which is that Star Trek firmly is pro having kids on their ship to the point that there is like, I think I was in DS9. I've been watching DS9, so it's blending together. There's one where a Ferengi or someone says like, we would never have our spawn on our ships. And a, a human says, well, that's your failing. And it's like, but is it? Because in this episode, 
Picard massacres like 20 starships. And you know, and presumably at least some of them have like daycare centers. Shit, yeah, shit. so Picard has yeah. probably Jesus. been responsible for How the killing yeah. of thousands of children. And then this ends, all ends with Riker about to ram the Borg ship, Borg ship with the Enterprise. So and like, kill everyone. And Wes looks at him like, and, even me, a child? And he's like, yeah, yeah, man, you're on the ship, man. And the funniest is part is he's making, he makes Wesley do it. Like, it's his order, but Wesley has to physically do That's, the action, he's like, which hey, is so funny. You, the child, shoot everyone in the head. You do it. Right. <laughs> you do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, if there's an afterlife, and in the afterlife, Wesley is, like, judged for the he's murders. He's like, And he's like, I was ordered to. And they're like, yeah, but you oh, did it. You I was only it. following orders. All right. Go to yeah. hell, Wesley. Yeah. yeah I also exactly. love the amazing Worf shutdown in this um, because, uh, you know, I love tracking every time Picard shuts Worf down, and he even does it when he's a Borg. There's this part where Locutus is there, and Worf tries to, like, body slam him, and he just bounces right off his personal shield yeah it's shit i love yeah. that when Worf is oh just yeah Worf gets the ultimate warfing in this which is that shelby shows up and just takes second in command and yeah. it's like oh well, i'm captain now none of you guys get to move up the ladder and it's like well fuck you yeah and he's he i think Riker even pulls him aside and is like i want you to know obviously i considered you and they're like yeah, yeah great <laughs> Thanks. And Thanks. Data's like, I don't even have emotions, but this still seems like bullshit. Yeah, this is like <laughs> fucked up. Uh, uh, and yeah, so what good. did you think about Riker's arc? Because it's not the only time he has this arc. He has this arc in other episodes. And I find yeah, Riker's, his like continuing arc in early seasons is like, why aren't you a captain of your own ship? And I'm saying, don't you think the series owed him at some point, not necessarily in this episode, but a big cathartic payoff scene where we find out some reason or he espouses his infinite loyalty or like why this is the only place he can be. I just feel like they laid that pipe a lot and they never paid it off. Yeah, I was really mad for Riker in this episode because I do think he needs to at some point just lose his shit on these people because what happens is like him and Troy, whenever he thinks he's leaving, Troy like fucking cries and this is his family and they keep in this episode like... Or these two episodes, Picard's like, what are you still doing here, Riker? And then this woman shows up and she's like, I'm here for your job. Oh, and like everybody's just shoving him out. And by the way, fuckers, I thought you were my friend. Picard says, oh, and by the way, I just want you to know the Enterprise will be fine without you. Like exactly the same. Right. Like it won't matter. You could leave. It won't matter. Right. And it's just like, why is that? That's not a helpful stance. No. And that's the thing is like, if I were Riker, I'd be like, listen, I, you're my friends. I want to stay here because the problem is this is, it's supposed to be progressive society, but a progressive society wouldn't put so much emphasis on your job where it's like, why aren't you getting a bigger job? It's like, maybe because he's happy, maybe because he likes where he is. Like, being a captain is a lot of responsibility. Second command, he gets power, but he also probably gets to be, like, a little drunk on the job. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, you know, he gets to sleep around a lot. But, like, and most importantly, like, he's just happy there. And they do this thing where they keep pushing him. And there should be an episode where Riker's like, I've had enough of this shit. Like, stop it. Stop it. Uh, And that's, that's, I was getting mad for Riker in this episode. Totally. 
Yeah, I agree. Because yeah, even he underdog. he gets like gaslit where he's like, what am I still doing here? And it's like, I don't know, Riker. Maybe this is your fucking family here. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, why are we uh, still, you're acting as if it's modern day where it's like, well, we have to increase shareholder value. And you're like, I thought we were in a post-need society. Right. Yeah, I thought everyone was trying to become self-actualized. And that was the thing now. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I I want to, I have oh, a question. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay, it's another it's another character question. So we talked about this last week or last episode, and I I need you to to I need to double down here. What is Guinan and Picard's relationship? Well, it's funny. I also listened to that episode back, and I realized I pointed out that they had the opportunity to fuck, but then I was very defensive and insisted that they didn't fuck. So I was being hypocritical. Eh. But I will say I've emotionally landed on the side of I don't want them to have fucked. You can make your little argument now if you want, but okay, to me, I... Guinan is Picard's soul. Picard is a philosopher, and without Guinan, he wouldn't have a soul. Okay, I guess to me, but I do want to know what what adventure fused them together, and we'll never know that. But that's the problem is that because we won't read the Star Trek novels. In this, in this one, so in the last one we did Times Arrow, where he she's like we become friends, and he's like more than friends, and it's like what are you talking about? And this one, Guinan is also cryptic. She's talking to Riker, and she says our friendship, our friendship was beyond friendship. It's beyond family about Picard. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, that's the thing is I'm not saying they bone. I think it'd be really funny if that's all they were talking about is like, oh, yeah, we're fuck buddies. And they're just like making it sound really mystic and important. And she's but like, I am like, well, yeah, you know how friends and family don't fuck each other. That's all I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I seriously, it's not that I think they're boning. I'm just like, what is it? What are you describing to me? And they, everybody on the fucking, like everybody on the Enterprise should be talking about this of like, what are they to each other? Uh, because they, it seems romantic a little bit. Uh, I know Guinan fucks. I've always um, thought of it as spiritual and I don't find sex yes. not spiritual. I think it is, but I don't know. I agree yeah. where it feels spiritual, but I'm like, what did they do? Did Why they do we do? never yeah. get to learn? Were they in a cult what? together? What did they do? Yes. <laughs> Or are they like the same person? And is it like predestination, like the Ethan Hawke movie, That'd be where like there's like a time yeah, yeah. loop where they're both the same? Picard like, what is, is it? Guinan is Picard being wildly problematic. Um, yeah. Uh, I also think this may be the only time Guinan is wrong about something like this, because what's I was like, oh yeah, or that's interesting to note. Um, in every episode where Guinan goes, just trust me, blah blah blah, that is locked. That she's always right. That's a lot. Right. In this one, she says, Riker, you've got to let Picard go. He's gone. The only way you can beat the Borg is by letting him go. Not true. They get him back. Like, right. That's well, the only right. time I, gonna, she's been wrong about something like that. Yeah, I'll defend Guinan here because, well, they, they do the same thing in um, First Contact where Picard's just killing crew members who are becoming Borg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm doing them a favor. Um, which again, Picard, you should know more than anyone. They're still in there because you were. Yeah. However, when they find Picard, uh, Crusher says his DNA is being rewritten. So to me, I'm like, that's amazing that they repaired him because like, I think Guinan, it's like a, Guinan has like a 99.9% chance of being right in my opinion. Cause it's just like, how do you come back from that? And it's weird that they did figure it out and that Picard wasn't just like this fucking mess 
mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. If his DNA is being rewritten, it's just like, yeah, I don't. He's like a mutant at that point. Yeah, uh, and not the cool kind like him and the X Men. Yeah, like Toxic Avenger, uh, and so like it's. I get why Gaiden like would think that. But it is, and I, that's, it's part of what I love about Riker in this episode, because he's telling everybody to fuck off. This is a strong Riker episode. Right. And then, although, and then as you like, said, in a modern context, like nowadays, I think he would have gone even further. There would have been a scene where he yelled yes. at everyone, but yeah. Yeah, there should have been. But then when they're like, you can't, Picard is the Borg. The Admiral says, Picard would never assist the Borg. He has been lost. Like accepting the idea that he's dead. Well, yeah, I love that's and an it, interesting because they're like, well, if he's still in there, that means that he's killing everyone. And they're like, we refuse to put that dishonor on Picard's record. Therefore, we are presuming him dead. Yeah. And you're like, but that's not what's true. That's not what's happening. Yep. Yeah. And then Riker is just like, not only will I not listen to all you guys, I'm going to go get Picard and mm-hmm. I'm going to make him a fucking human again. Fuck all of you. Yeah. And he does it. Uh, Maybe that's what it's about, that despite his misgivings, he's actually an incredible captain. He even does something Guinan said he couldn't do. Like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, this is the cliffhanger when he's, Picard goes on the screen and he's like, we're the Borg, resistance is futile. Yeah. Futile, and he's like, fire. Uh, Riker is. great. It's just like, fuck, Um, me. These episodes have some of the strongest uh act breaks like cut to commercial sequences in tng and tng is trying to do that like you can tell the writers get off on having a all right right before you go to commercial boom and uh, these ones are actually good usually they're kind of a stretch well that's because everything in this one is life or death right yeah where like in this one it's like he commits a genocide cut to ads whereas like yeah there's ones where it's like picard has a girlfriend cut to ads yeah <laughs> it's like and it's still the dun, 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 dun music yeah true they love it's that funny. my favorite yeah. thing about this though is the period where they just have locutus aboard their ship and they know he won't hurt them um but they don't know what to do with him yet and he just fucking goes around dunking on everyone yes, like it's a yes, roast, roast like he he's, walks he's up like, to one guy and he goes like ah a primitive life form you will have no resistance to us next ah a primitive android your circuitry is bullshit who's up who's next ah he Bob Saget, he been like you are a roasted yeah, yeah. Like, yeah and he's he's literally wandering around like looking at the controllers and yeah it's going, so like, this funny sucks. this is bullshit i was hoping Worf would take a swing at him or something yeah. Uh, um, on that note, mm-hmm. I, I realized everybody's seen Picard's penis, right? Because like ev- they're all in the room while they're doing all this stuff, and his dick is out. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> when? Wait, you That's mean all. when they're doing the surgeries? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're sure. all like it's like it's like they're a technical thing. So right. I, yeah, I think like I thought there's a few people. Politely. Riker steps in. I'm just saying that I'm pretty sure everybody's seen Picard's penis based off this episode. I'm not saying it's the future. Look, everybody's seen everybody's genitals probably. I was just watching the um the Riza episode of DS9 where it's like, right, it's a swinger planet. Like everybody just fucks. But like it's just Right, weird. everyone thinks Worf is super hung up because he won't have an orgy in that episode. It's so, so funny. Yeah. yeah, it's so my I was so mad at Worf in that episode because I'm just like, Worf. Why do you think you came here? You are such a fucking wet blanket here. Uh, 
but yeah, everybody, it's like a, so point being that I guess seeing but your captain's genitals isn't like as big of a deal. No, or a fellow soldier, or I just feel like that's also, you know, they're in the military, military people shower together and it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure um, Picard on the, on the bridge will be like Riker, knock, knock. And he'll go, who's there and look over and Picard will just have his dick out. Sure. <laughs> Number one. Make Number it so. one. Uh, engage. <laughs> And then he gets hard uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> instantly. Um, uh, my last thoughts are, I hate that Crusher's only role in this, she technically, I guess we presume, took the Borg implants out. But Crusher only has two moments in this episode, and she, they threw her under the jargon bus so hard. Her first moment yeah. is going, maybe we could blow up a power node, like a mosquito stinging someone. That would be like us to the board cube. And Data's like, that's a fascinating metaphor. And you're like, no, it's not. She didn't need to use a metaphor. She could have just said, let's blow up a power node. And then in the second episode, she goes, they're like, "Uh, how are we going to stop the Borg? And she goes like, we need to find some kind of Achilles heel or, or cut off or disconnect him, like cutting off an arm or a foot. Right. Damn. They did her dirty this episode. Just not good lines for Crusher. Um, and then the only other thing I really thought stood out was when Data finally goes, in effect, I put them all to sleep. It cuts to Shelby, and she smiles and nods like a sitcom, like, oh, that's cute. That's really funny. Right. Bitch, everyone just died horribly. <laughs> like, right. You're stand- it's like you're looking at the Vietnam killing fields, and you're like, that's funny. What he just said is pretty cute. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. just a weird context when you think about what's actually also, going on. Also, they're like, beam aboard and confirm it. And to, like, why don't they just fire everything they have at that point? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, they're fucking sleep. The Borg, by the way, their ship, I love them, but their ship looks like a laser tag arena, which made me realize, like, why isn't there more Star Trek themed laser tag arenas? <laughs> Like, we just yeah, need that, that right? That would be great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, where uh, you have a laser tag gun you could set from stun to kill, and it has different effects on the vest. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there could be something there. And it like you, it would look like, like, it's just perfect aesthetic for laser tag. Um, I just want to really stress how great the Borg is as an enemy. Um, and whenever I th- watch episodes like this, it makes me realize even more how wrong they are with Q. Like, Q, it's, it, for people who don't realize, this the series sort of ends with them realizing they should have been more humble around Q a little bit. Um, not exclusively that, but it, it ends with Picard basically kind of thanking Q. And it kind of and, implies that Q was hard on them, you know, because he believed like, in them because he thought there's they could an episode, do it. Yeah. There's an episode, I think before this, it might not be, but where Q's like, I've come to volunteer to be a, uh, to be a crew member. And I think that's how they first meet the Borg, actually, because he's like, there's, I don't know, the point being that if I was Picard, I would every day pray to Q to just wipe out the Borg for me, because it's like, they have this god, and he could, he's the only thing that could beat the Borg. Uh, and they, every time he shows up, they're like, fuck you, Q. And, and uh, the Borg are terrifying. And that's sort of the point of Q is like, you can't deal with one prick. Like, this is a god. He could help you with a lot of stuff, but because he's rude, you refuse to, like, deal with him. Is kind of the interesting thing about Q is, like, he's pointing out... I mean, he's a shitty... You know, he's a piece of crap, uh, or at least he's an asshole, but he's sort of pointing out how much pride humans have, right? Uh, And, like, the good episodes are the ones where Picard will literally beg Q and be like, we need you, Q. You're right. They've done that a few times. 
but they should really do that with the Q with the Borg. Is my point? Uh, yeah, and we like, can't uh, even really get into like. You know, later Q has a son, and he, there's another little girl who's a Q who is like a Starfleet yeah. kid. Why wouldn't right. one of them be like? Yeah, I think hey. that she makes a dozen puppies and then disappears them. It's like, hey, maybe disappear the Borg. Yeah, the Borg. Seriously, <laughs> but the Borg are just I. I can't stress how terrifying they are because Star Trek is a world where it's all. We've talked about this before. It's all about how enemies can be compromised with. Everybody's human or humanoid everybody has a soft side is the idea of star trek and they they explored the idea of what if there is basically nazis what if there is a group that can't be compromised with uh which star trek never used to do it feels like. and they slowly but surely like in voyager you meet so many races even in the delta quadrant which is the opposite side of the galaxy who are like Oh yeah, the Borg wiped out my whole race. And there's like nine yeah. races like that. So like you slowly get the impression that one day the future of the Star Trek universe is like the Borg are the enemy across all series. Yeah. They they will subsume the universe if they're not stopped. They're the ultimate yeah. bad force in Star Trek. I always wanted to see and it's real dark and so it's kind of not Star Trek. But in, like in that parallels where they hint at a uh, parallel universe where the Borg has won, I do want to see a version where like Earth is lost yeah. and there's just starships kind of floating around and they're just like try they're terrorists basically like they're doing whatever they can. Uh, that'd just yeah. be really like dark, the DS9 the DS9 mirror universe is sort of like that. Starfleet yeah. has been completely overthrown. Blah, 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 blah. They should have had a fucking mirror. Uh, all right. I, I, I'm going off on weird tangents. Sure. So uh, we could go into Jokorama if you'd it. like. Yeah, please. Uh, uh, I'll kick us off. Walter Cronkite's head reporting on the news. I remind you to bolt your doors, say goodbye to your pets, and lock your children in the closet. This is Walter Cronkite saying, I told you so. <laughs> and then Hermes boards up the TV. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Fry uh, says, I'm sick of this wood show. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> professor, cover that fireplace, confound you. I've only got a few years to live. I don't want to spend them dead. I like the line right after that, too. Oh, we're doomed. Every year, we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, Professor, again, bring it on, Santa. That bloodthirsty cadaver chunky can't touch <laughs> us. That alone is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then. As long as we're not stupid enough to leave this building, in a related manner, you'll all be delivering this sack of children's letters directly to Santa at his death fortress on Neptune. A letter to Santa by a little girl. Santa, please don't get me a present this year. The bicycle you fired at me from your bicycle gun really tore up my insides. (laughs) And then shout out to the ending where he fires another bicycle at her. I believe Bender does. (laughs) And then they laugh together. Yeah. So good, uh, Fry, uh, about the letters. The letters are real butt nutters. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, huh, all right. Leela, it's time to sit on Santa's lap and hard. Hard. <laughs> uh, Neptunian, hey, you got any food? Old tea bags, chewed gum, apple cores. Come on, we're starving here, Fry. But you live in a gingerbread house. Neptunian, hey, it's food or shelter, not both. Yeah, I like that. Uh, they end up fighting their way through the fortress and there's a warhead fired at them and they're running from it and it gets stuck in the elevator with them. And then there's a shot where they all run out of the elevator and Leela runs out carrying the warhead and then goes, Oh no, wait, this is what we're running from. (laughs) 
<laughs> so good. Uh, two sign gags I want to shout out. Um, with the toy shop, Toy Works closed, coming soon, Crack House. But I really like this one because you only get it if you say it. Mm-hmm. Electric Fence, now with Chocolin. Yeah. It sounds like chocolate. Yeah, I like that. I also like yeah. Fry sitting on the sled that's not moving at all. Like it's still going faster, Mush, faster. Or faster, yeah. <laughs> and then later, Fry, why aren't we moving, Leela? I don't know. I, usually when I do stuff like this, the ship moves. Uh, Bender as Santa trying to figure out how to get through a locked grate. The gee, Bender, how are you going to get through those bars? Oh, I don't know, moron. Supposing I bend them? Duh, okay. <laughs> Him dealing with the family. I'm the good fan Santa. I've got toys at very reasonable prices. The dad, don't listen to him. He's the father of all lies and the uncle of all tricks. Bender, but I come bearing triominoes. Mom, go for the shins. I also like in that scene, the mom, this is it, kids. Santa's here. Take your cyanide pills so you won't suffer. (laughs) And then, of course, Kwanzaa bot. The bit we haven't mentioned at all. A beloved Futurama bit. At least people know what you are. Ain't nobody down with this Kwanzaa tip. Anyway, I got to go give out this traditional Kwanzaa book. And he holds up a book that says, what the hell is Kwanzaa? And he goes, (laughs) man, I've been giving these out for 647 years. (laughs) Poor Kwanzaa. (laughs) And Hanukkah Zombie, of course, also introduced. Oh, yes. Um, The great visual gag when Better gives up. There's the Toys for Tots bin. He walks up to it and then dumps the toys in the sewer next to it. Yep, yep. And then just gets drunk in an alleyway. So good. The mutant holds up the mutant from the sewer holds a Barbie up that landed on her. This creates an unrealistic standard of beauty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lawyer on trial. Now Pamela, I know it's scary in that witness <laughs> box, but there ain't no need to f- ne- no need to fear me. Pecan! <laughs> so I'm sorry. I thought you was corn. Uh, and then right after, and then now yeah. will you please point to that robot over there? Now will you please point it? And then he, she just points at him, and everyone goes. <gasps> and then he opens yeah. a briefcase full of little chicks, and he goes, "Daddy did good." <laughs> but <laughs> before that, I also like uh, when the cops are arresting drunk Bender in the alleyway. Yeah, I smell a juicy promotion for me, and a juicy hiring back onto the force for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, going to death row. Hey, Santa, when you see the robot devil, tell him I'm coming. Uh, Bender goes to the next cell. There's the robot devil. They told that guy told me to devil. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. Uh, isn't it true? You've been paid for your testimony. Yes. You gave me a dollar and some candy. And yet you haven't said what I told you to say. How can we trust you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, great gag, the random number generator to do the right. countdown to the execution. Uh, a line that I always like to imitate, not for the writing, but for the voice, is the judge, the white bread judge. Whereas I have a ham dinner with mayonnaise <laughs> waiting for me at my mansion, I find the defendant guilty. Like, I just love... <laughs> it's so good. They thought the good. mouth I love that out. judge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like they yeah they all show up as Santa and Zoidberg as Jesus and the mayor says you guys aren't Santa you're not even robots how dare you lie in front of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, three sign jokes in a row the sign on the prison says two death rows no waiting the sign on the courthouse says famous original Ray's superior courthouse <laughs> and then the sign on the death machines the electrocutioner which is just a portmanteau but I'm like three in a row real yeah, quick I like a yeah. lot of sign gags uh 
<laughs> when Santa teams up with Bender, Fry, don't do it. He's evil. Santa, I know he is, but I have no choice. Right. The classic, uh, yeah, uh, the professor's the crazy kid or Bart is the evil twin. Of course he is. Uh, mm. Diapers rain from the sky and you hear someone go, oh, my hair. And then you hear someone go, oh, no, my wedding cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. I love yeah. it. And then, of course, Bender, won't you join my slaying tonight? And this Wang's Chung, which is just a good phrase that I still use yep. casually from Leela. This and Wang's Chung. I like Hermes saying that they're huddled together in fear like lice in a burning wig, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just such a weird uh, phrase. Man, uh, there's a I just rewatched the one with the where, you know, the professor makes robots evolve on the barren planet. And her, there's a Hermesism that I never realized how fucking genius, like Shakespeare clever. It's uh, he sees a robot swan and he goes, uh, oh, my God, a robot swan. Oh, or no, he goes, oh, dear robot swana Botswana. Robot swan of Botswana. That's uh, so good. Robot swan of Botswana. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to compare the two episodes then, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's time to knock it up a notch. Bam! Energize! What nine? Knock it up a notch. Maximum wall. Take it so. Engage. No, don't engage. Um, energize. It's the Borg. It's the Star Trek. Moving on. It has to be. Easiest, I, I mean, easiest one in easiest. a long time. Yeah. Nothing, yeah, nothing. nothing ag- obviously nothing against Futurama. Yeah, it's just how do you fucking... It's the, it's the Borg. It's the best of both worlds. It's the best okay. of both worlds. Yeah, Jesus one. Christ. Uh, so we keep going. Sure. This is uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to do our Q and A segment. No need to um, you guys give us cues. We give you A's. This is hailing frequencies open, Captain. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Open hailing frequencies. Frequencies open, sir. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. All right. We we prompt you on Twitter, uh, and these are people who answered us, such as Daniel Coos. Who asks, what Star Trek race is the Zoidberg of that universe? So I have a, I have an answer if you want to think. Oh, I already know. And in fact, I quietly mentioned them earlier this episode. Okay. The Vidians from, Voyage, from the Delta Quadrant. Only Voyager interacts with them. They are a race of aliens who have a, a phage that's endemic to their society. Such that they look like hideous uh, clicker barnacle monsters. And their entire society is reliant upon kidnapping people and harvesting their organs so that they can keep living. And they are fucking disgusting. I remember um, them. There's also like, I think Voyager has a couple. Because there's also those uh, garbage men, that race of alien garbage men who dump right. toxic waste all over the galaxy. They're See, I was thinking the the fish people in the Troy, uh, Walks on a Troy <laughs> episode. You mean uh, one of them stasis? is Mick Fleetwood, by the way. Yes, and they're just, they're in stasis, and then she goes, they're terrorists, and they're arrested. And so it's the combination of them being, like, monstrous creatures and just failures. Yeah, um, that's true. And in that episode, I believe they they go, like, what do they eat? And they show them a barrel of just, like, loose minnows, like, whoop, 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 whoop. which is very Zoidberg-y, <laughs> yeah. 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 They just eat, like, um, trash fish in a bucket of water. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Good. Sorry, I just Good realized answers. this. Yeah, th- Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Uh, this second question is also by Daniel Coos. I j- only just realized this. Uh, how would Professor Farnsworth take down the Borg? Which is a very relevant question. Ooh. Uh, yeah. 
I this I, unless this person's a time traveler, they shouldn't know that this right, was going to be right. a Borg episode. Um, hmm. So I think he would use a doomsday device. I think he has the many. professor would would actually be some. Uh, he plays it fast and loose. I think he would do it in the way that isn't uh, gentle. <laughs> Or would he and create he a race would... of superhuman alien monsters with freeway on ramps for arms and octagonal heads? Yep. <laughs> or, or he just joined them because he'd think it's great. Well, the joke version would be that somehow the Borg would, yeah, would flip or take over. But then next episode, but I'm gonna say that he would use uh, an improved version of the Finglonger to reach across the galaxy <laughs> and just wipe them out from afar. All right, and now this one is going to take a little more thinking. No, Ooh, uh, wait, wait, Brendan... wait, wait. Sorry, I got a, okay. I got a better idea. He'd use the what if machine to say what oh. if there was a universe without Borg, and then he'd use his parabox to make that universe become the reality and swap with Such our. Such a good idea. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Brandon Lan- Lanham, Lanham. It's weird. I'm from. Western Mass, where H's are ignored in at least the town names. Lanham. This is Lanham, mm-hmm. but if I'm from Massachusetts, it'd be like Lanham. Um, is asking, if you could have a series or movie exploring the Star Trek universe, what would it be? Um, they're mm-hmm. saying, I want a Federation, not Starfleet political drama. I see. That would be fun. I have some answers if you want to think about it. Well, what did he mean by your... Uh I'm trying to. I don't understand why they differentiated between show and movie. Is the question just like what spinoff things if, do if, I want? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. it's that. Okay. And so I'll say That's a what movie. I'll yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say a movie about that wolf battle would be cool. Oh, uh, oh, um, dude! Like a Saving Private Ryan about Wolf Three Five Nine. Yeah. Brutal. I yeah. also I have a few here, so I'm just gonna rattle through them. Uh-huh. A Borg POV uh, episode. Where like I like wouldn't I it be neat to learn Q. that being a Borg is actually like amazing? Like to be a Borg, like you're in like a holodeck essentially, you're in a fantasy. Like the idea that like yeah, the way they, they defeat don't go human way. consciousness. Yeah, but that would be cool. Or I just uh, we mean like about... we see seven of nine flashback to when she was in the Matrix right. or the Unimatrix and it's not fun. It's right. torture. Um Guinan Origins we talked about. Oh that's my I, big one and we mentioned it last episode. Yeah. yeah. What I have up with two Guinan? More. Okay, go ahead. Um, having watched DS9, they should have done a mirror universe for TNG. Uh, the beauty of that mirror universe is getting to see like Cisco play like a scoundrel, right. you know? Uh, and I want to see Evil Picard. Like, why didn't we get that? Dude. And yeah. final one is just anything that would take well, place 500. Nemesis, but... Oh, yeah, but, you yeah. know. Uh, anything that takes place 500 years after Voyager. <laughs> I, I just, just... want to see them go. Right, I agree. I've talked about this at length. Um, I understand that uh, Discovery, or maybe they travel through time. I mean, they all travel through time. But I guess Discovery is like past and future. Some stuff is referenced. But people who watch a lot of Trek will know what I mean when I say, since the J.J. Abrams, like, we're not respecting. And all I want is to know, like, I want to go into the future of this universe from the Voyager point onward. I couldn't agree more. Um, And they won't do that for whatever reason but maybe they will someday i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, just say this jj abrams is the worst thing to happen to both star trek and star and wars star wars he ruined both yeah. of the star things yeah he sucks uh <laughs> but um if i may give one that occurred to me uh, yeah. and i didn't pre-vet the questions because i'm not the host so i only have one but i think it's good i want to see the 
moment, not the moment, but like the decade, I want to see the story of the Q continuum going from what we would perceive as a normal spacefaring race uh, to the Q continuum and like some kind of conflict around that that ultimately results in them transcending whatever. Like, how do you become a Q? Because Q says several times... um, you know how a caveman thinks you're magic? It's just that. I just see magic right, to you. He even says we yeah. were once like you. And I'm like, really? Like, tell me more about that. What were you it's, like? How'd you get it's to my, where you are? Yeah, it's my favorite thing about Q is that like we've had episodes like Who Watches the Watchers where it's like we're worshiping Q. the Picard. Yeah. Um, and what I love is they thought to add, to add a race that are explorers just like us, but they're so futuristic that they're magical. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I have so many questions. Are they all pricks? Because remember the one other time you meet no, no, another no, no. like the other Q? Q think he's a prick. Like they've established well, that. Yes, but do you remember the other Q we meet when he? Um, we meet at least human, four other, Q. and he's also kind of a prick. And I was like, are they all just like weird little pricks? That's true. But we um, meet we meet the Q who wants to kill himself who's frozen in the comet. And he's very like friendly and befuddled and he right, takes okay. them to visit the Q continuum. And in that episode, you meet like four of them and they're just like a grab bag. Like one's a cowboy and one's a fancy lady. Okay. Yeah. So they are. Just I think regular. they he's differ. Just a prick. Yeah. Yeah. And there was that episode where the character is evolving. Remember, and their race is trying to stop it. And then they become a being of light. And this is all to say they've they've circled that idea. And I want to. Yeah, I agree with you. I want to see like Star Trek Q basically and just do a q origins that Mm -hmm. yeah right at that turning point and like the turmoil that it caused yeah that'd be cool or again anything that just likes t-r-e-q yeah i just they need to tng star trek and like more than anything in my opinion which is just go 500 years later and then they just talk about everything else like it's a distant memory yeah, and it's not all because I'm so sick of them trying to tie it all in. Well, and, and Disco like, even has one or two cool new uh, Trekkie ideas, like the tardigrade technology, or or the uh, you know the guy who keeps his terminally ill daughter uh, in the in the pattern buffer continuously, and he he reads to her like ten minutes a night, but that's it. They have cool Trek ideas buried in, but it's so much less. It's like nine percent, and then the rest is action and personal drama and TNG right. still had personal drama shit. but the balance was different it's just, it was just a different balance a hundred percent it's soap opera shit but they didn't do it correctly and it can be like i'm watching star trek voyager it's wild how many episodes just go one after like bleed into each other they're less mm-hmm. episode like story of the week um but they still manage to have these really neat weird concepts throughout they they still feel like twilight zone you know um yeah and it's just really frustrating that they've turned it into like a weird soap opera uh, mm. and like action shit. Uh, I can't stand it. But so like they need to just set something. Yeah. I want to see Starfleet 500 years later. So way more advanced. I want to tell the writers like you have to think of new shit. Think yeah. of a, the next holodeck. You know what I mean? Um, and play with sci-fi concepts beyond what we've been dealing with, you know? Uh, and actually fucking make a star trek you bastards you cool. bastards um sorry ds9 i just want to know because i want to end positively ds9 mm-hmm. i see tng forever you know i love tng but ds9 is so fucking good uh, and i can see why people love it because it's i think ds9 is the sweet spot 
which is that it's a little gritty. It's a little of the modern sensibilities of like gritty Abrams, but yeah. it still has that like TNG. It's like sweet spot. I'm DS9 forever, or like because it's also loosely a Western. Um, DS9 is actually more nostalgic and comforting to me than TNG, which was a little before my time, to be honest. Like when we came into this pod, when I originally pitched it to you, I was thinking we'd use a bunch of DS9 episodes as well. Um, I'm fine that we stuck with TNG because I love it dearly, but I believe it was your impetus to be like, I'd really prefer to stick to TNG. But DS9 is the one for me, dog. Like I'm a DS9 guy. TNG I grew up with, you know, that was like Cisco, my parents watching it. I'm just like, and for me, I Avery just, Brooks is, is the man. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No, Avery Brooks, um, Cisco is hands down the coolest captain. Yeah. Um, because most of them are nerds and even he is still kind of a nerd, you know, Long, his sailing, darker than death his and night, baseball. Dude, that episode, but, I can live with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, I, I just ha- like for me it's I I can close my eyes and watch every TNG episode you know like I know them by name um, yeah so it was just easier to pair them up that I'm way very like pleased I, to say I can do that from from the beginning of TNG to the end of Voyager now I know them all by name nice <laughs> with yeah with with um with me with DS9 is I'm less experienced in it so like it's still like fun to watch it because I, I, I genuinely don't remember how some episodes turn out. Yeah. I'm still at that phase and it's just, yeah. While TNG is the nostalgia for me. I do think DS nine is probably where it peaked. Yeah. Like I think okay. that is, it's just everything it. we want yeah. together. Yeah. And it's the most fuckable overall cast. Nana which Visitor, isn't to say anything Arm against. Shimmerman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The, what I mean by that is like, there's just the and coolest. you still get like, Dorn TNG and you still get with... O'Brien. Like you don't. Yeah. yeah. There's so much more O'Brien. I love O'Brien. Uh, I've been watching the ones where he fucking has to magically knock up Kira, so he's just got like two women bossing yeah. him around. Well, that and would be the O'Brien episode. is just yeah. so helpless. I love it. See if we had the DS9 version of this show, that would be Kif gets knocked up a notch. Of course. Um, yeah, and yeah. I watched the Roswell one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I also love that in DS9 early on, they have Worf ask O'Brien. I mean, not early on, because Worf comes in, I think, three or four, season three or four. But at one point, Worf asks O'Brien, don't you hate it here? Wasn't the Enterprise way better? And he says, uh, no, because the Enterprise functioned so well. I barely, it was like a job that I slept walk through. This is a, right. a Cardassian monstrosity that is breaking down constantly. I have so much more to do. And that was a specific reference to like how the show was going to utilize him. And I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I, yeah he should have just said like, no, I'm in the I'm in the credits. No, I'm in the credits And Warren could be like, what? What do you mean? Like, Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should probably uh, wrap this yeah. up, right? Yep. Yep. Um listen folks so as we talked about at the beginning this is um you can find the rest of these episodes on two patreons patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed and patreon.com slash small beans you want to tell people about small beans a bit more mm. uh small beans is over at patreon.com slash small beans uh for free you can point your podcasting device at just the words small beans and get a bunch of shows but if you patronize us to the tune of three to five dollars a month, then you also get access to not just Star Trek, the next Futurama, but our other collab with Gamefully, which is uh, Tom Ryman and my Tom Ryman, Abe Epperson, doing uh, Spielboys, where they go through all the films of Steven Spielberg. You get bonus episodes of our show. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. 
Um, I think my show, like Razorblade Pie, about the works of Harlan Ellison, is going to go behind the paywall soon. Um, yep. So, you know, you get like twice as much. There's secret you, extra shows. That's all. You and Tom have to do something because we're swinging, right? We're swinging like on Riza because I'm doing Inside Dads with Abe. Uh, yeah, and as I, figured, well. I figured that would happen someday. I also figured that. Like, I do that with screenplay collabs. Like, I've written several with Abe because he's my main. But now I've written one with Adam, and I have uh, I was writing one with Daniel before he left to go blow up or whatever. Um, so it fell off. But I'm like, uh, it's time for, I don't know, you and me should write a screenplay or you and me, yeah. or me and Tom. My point is just it's cool as an artist whenever you collaborate with someone else, you get a new... You're like, oh, this is the texture of you can't really predict yeah. like the dynamic is specific to any two it's people, fun. which is fun. So, yeah, I'd write something with you. I'd love to. I'd be honored to. Same. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll there get was there. a time in my life where I couldn't even uh, imagine ever writing something with you. That's that's makes me very excited. I'm visually I'm, or, me. Or, I'm physically excited right now. If from you age saw me. from age eight, I was like. Dave Bell. I don't know what it means. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to writing with him. <laughs> yep. Good uh, episode. Yeah, man. let's. Yeah. Good up. Ep- hey, we're doing great. Hey, we're hey. guys. We're, we're fine. Great. Yeah. Good. <laughs>